But so, I tell me so, everything. Like I said, saw the Dungeons and Dragons movie with my parents. Um, uh-huh. Not only was I seeing the D and D movie, which is dorky enough, but I was seeing it <laughs> with my parents. <laughs> um, and we dressed in costume, <laughs> right? Full costume, um, <laughs> you know, my posters of Chris Pine just rolled up in my bag. No. Uh, <laughs> but we walk out of the theater and my mom was like, before I say anything else, are we allowed to like Chris Pine? And I was like, <laughs> she was like, isn't he? And I was like, no, 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 mom. That's Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt yep. is the mega church. Probably mm-hmm. Trumper. Chris Pine, right. as far as I know, we are free and clear. And she was like, oh, and thank I, God, because I loved him. <laughs> and I and I totally, my heart goes, oh, what a sweet baby angel. She's like, which Chris is it that we're not? Yeah. But that's, that, <laughs> that's problematic. Tell me. Like, oh, my God, how cute. But it was she good. Was you like, liked it? Yes, I loved it. Would recommend to everyone. Because it had a lot of things that were like, Oh, this is fun if you know the game. But then other than that, it was just like a fun, goofy movie. Okay. That like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. Like it it knew what to take seriously, what not to and yeah. Okay. So I would be able to watch it and Oh, absolutely. And My parents don't know shit about D&D. And yeah. they both loved it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um yeah, like I was telling you we saw John Wick 4. Fantastic. No notes. And then we got home and we were like should we just start watching all of them from the beginning? And Ooh, did you? Uh, yeah. Well, Noah fell asleep five minutes into the first one. <laughs> but uh, he was—he just signaled Aww. to me. He's like, "Yep, sure did." <laughs> Do you want to introduce everybody to the show? Yes. Hi, guys. Welcome. Um, so this is Disastrous. This is the podcast where um, you try to sneak into the Mario movie after seeing Dungeons and Dragons, but you got <laughs> caught by a teenage, a high schooler working minimum wage <laughs> at your movie theater. And that's it's a pretty big disaster. And we talk about things like that. Yeah, he just chased you out and was like, get out of here. <laughs> okay, sorry. My bad. I didn't know. I thought I just got the theater mixed up or something. Have you, have you ever movie hopped? Yes. Yeah, we used to call them a double features Yeah. when I was a kid. And I remember one of my childhood friends, I think we were in like middle school or something like that. She's like, do you want to do a double feature? And I was like, I don't know. what What is that? She's like, oh, it's where you go to two movies. Like, you pay for one, and then you just leave and go to another one. And I was like, oh, my God. Mm -hmm. You criminal. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the worst thing you can imagine. Yeah. And, like, my middle school brain is like, oh, my God, that's terrible. Won't we get into trouble? (laughs) Da-da-da-da-da. And then, like, as an adult, I do it now. Yeah. Um, I did it to see – we. Me and some friends saw the eighth or the second sequel for Star Wars, so the eighth one. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then we snuck into Jumanji just because, like, we hadn't planned to. We just, like, saw that it was also playing. So we were like, yeah, oh, okay. yeah, sure. Whatever. I, I'll see Jumanji if I don't have to pay for it. And then I <laughs> watched it. That movie was fucking incredible. Oh, really, really good. Yeah. yeah. Big, big I was fan. Like, the one with the I rock? I should have paid for this. Yeah, the one with the rock. Yeah. Jack Black. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. But does, like, part of you during the second movie keep kind of, like, looking over your shoulder a little bit? <laughs> like, someone's going to come in with a flashlight. Like, I, I got him. <laughs> I know what you did. Like, I always think that's going to happen. And I remember, like being in high school doing it and i was like okay here's the plan this movie ends and then this movie starts these are the theaters that we're in and this is where the person stands so we'll have to go like this and then we'll have to walk behind them and maybe you pretend to go to the bathroom and then come back in and it's like <laughs> and then like this last time i did i was like oh uh, yeah we can just walk right just in walk sure. right in there <laughs> Yeah, the first time you had like a blueprint of the theater and you're exactly. like, okay, this is how we pull off this heist. <laughs> like, and second then we, time, we're like, yeah. we, when we just went to see D&D, 
we our tickets didn't get taken or scanned or anything and i was like well fuck this i just wasted yeah. 50 bucks we should never pay my, for movies yeah well my mom my mom wasted 50 bucks i didn't pay for uh, it's still on principle yeah exactly <laughs> well yes we are uh the podcast where we dive into history's uh getting caught at the uh second movie mm-hmm. and, and and getting tossed out by a high schooler it's 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 rough, but it can be fun. Yeah. So there's that. And I'm Amanda. And I'm Hannah. There we go. Nice. Um, yeah, so we've got uh, a real special story for you today. Let's dig right in. Um, this story has a, a couple of trigger warnings up front. Mm. Uh, deals a lot with uh, mental illness. And there are some graphic depictions of surgery based on that trigger warning. Ooh. Do you have an idea of what? Uh, yes. Oh, my gosh. Are we talking about lobotomies? Yes, we are. Oh. Yeah, girl. That, like, <laughs> not me cheering for lobotomies. But no. I'm not cheering for lobotomies. I'm cheering for the deep satisfaction I just got from yeah, right? guessing that. I, I, I saw your wheels. Like, you're like... Like puzzle pieces, and I was yeah. like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, she's got it, she's got it, she's got it." <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So yeah, um, we are going to be talking about the gruesome, wild history of oh. lobotomies. Yes. <sighs> All right. So <sighs> buckle in. Yeah. So we start. Uh, we kick off in the year of our Lord eighteen hundred something. Great. Uh, Good place uh, to start. <laughs> yeah. A German physiologist, Frederick Goltz, who did, he basically was like, my dogs are acting crazy. <laughs> they're just act, they're running amok. They're peeing mm-hmm. on the furniture. What if I cut their brains open? <laughs> yeah. So he started <laughs> off just doing like a little minor brain surgery on his dogs and saw behavioral changes after that Mm. yeah because they're dogs um and their behavioral changes well pavlov showed us that you can just like ring a bell and find behavioral changes so you could train them you cut out out someone's brain (laughs) behavioral changes yeah behavioral changes for sure for sure well and we're gonna see this happen time and time again Mm, so very fun um cut to the late 1880s and Swiss uh, physician Gottlieb Burkhardt observed, or he like supervised um, like a mental asylum. And now this is like an antiquated term. We don't really call them asylums anymore, but this was the term of the day. So mm-hmm. that's that's that. Okay. So he thought, well, this dude, Goltz, it worked on his dogs. So maybe we try it on people. Specifically yeah. the residents here. Sure. Next logical conclusion. <laughs> next step. Yes. Obvious next step. So he performed on, um, I believe it was six patients. Yes. Six patients. Wow. They're um, starting with a bang. Oh, Not yeah. even just, just one? <laughs> no. Just, Don't want to just... Like, I, no? <laughs> he's like, all six right now, today. Let's yeah. do this. So he removed parts of the brain cortex Ugh. in patients suffering from auditory hallucinations and some other symptoms of mental illness. Schizophrenia at the time was like a very loose term. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, they're schizophrenic. Mm. But may- maybe with the halluc- hallucinations, but like m- with other stuff, no. Schizophrenia was kind of like a like an umbrella term. Like a catch-all. would be. Yeah, like a catch-all, exactly. So it would describe anything from, like, anxiety, agitation, mm. um, depression, homosexuality. Yeah, that um, was one. And, like, talking about murders at parties. <laughs> it was just all schizophrenia. Yeah, honestly. Um, <laughs> question. And this is mm. a gross question. So, um, again, trigger warning for people. At this time, were they cutting into people's like skulls to get to their brain or were they doing like i know sometimes people would like go in through like the eye or the nose but when you say like cutting out pieces of their brain yes it was a little more barbaric at this Mm. point 
they were either going through um, like the top, the hairline, I believe, or the back of the skull. Um, Got it. Because later on, then like the lobotomy as we know it would become like what you're picturing with like the eyes and the nose and the the whole thing. Yes. So So, they're they're jack-o'-lanterning. Yeah, exactly. He's like, well, maybe like he'll improvise it. He's like, where would you go? Where's the thinnest part? Yeah, let's just go through there. So he performed on six patients and like a trail mix bag of results. Like two got better, like got better. Also not better, but probably stopped complaining about the things they were complaining about. That yeah, that's exactly right. Like they just became more <laughs> docile. Yeah. So they're like, yeah, it doesn't really bother me so much anymore. <laughs> and then uh, two stayed the same, and then one died later, and then one committed suicide. Ooh. Yeah. So two stayed the same. That's yeah. An, I'm sorry. That's that's wild to have a piece and you'll of see your that. brain taken out, and they're just like no noticeable no difference. change. That's yeah, it, really interesting. And given this was like late 1880s, so they mm. probably did change, but not enough so that it was sure like recorded. Like, yeah. yeah. So basically, the medical community was like, "I guess nice try, even though it's kind of fucked up that you did that." Yeah. Let's just not anymore. Mm-hmm. Cool. And he's like, "Sure, yeah, I didn't like doing it anyway." <laughs> I, just tra- I was just throwing spaghetti at the wall. So was, oh, my God. This is so embarrassing. It was a phase. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I just- do, you guys, do you guys remember when you were in, like, middle school and you were, like, so kooky? <laughs> <laughs> and then you, like, dyed your hair purple. That was me. But, but it I was later. Cut and I cut up some brains. <laughs> yeah. And everyone's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> listen. We've been there. We get it. <laughs> oh, so <Totally> embarrassing. Cool. <laughs> uh, smash cut to almost 50 years later. Great. Uh, in 1935, at the Second International Congress of Neurology held in London, mm-hmm. uh, American neuroscientists Carlisle F. Jacobson and John Fulton presented the results of an experiment involving frontal lobe ablation which Mm. is again cutting out a part of the like basically like ablation means like removing gray matter sure so in two chimpanzees now okay also i know you're gonna guess it mixed bag of results even though there are only two (laughs) chimpanzees Not the not the mixed bag on the two. It's a mixed patients. bag. So so one of the chimpanzees in like doing like a memory task or something, mm-hmm. like you know how they test chimpanzees where they like have them play these games and do these tasks. Well, yeah. if she didn't do the task correctly, she would just lose her shit. Like wow. she was just really her own worst critic, and so she would just <laughs> honestly her mind. Yes, relatable. I get it. I get it. Oh. So relatable. I'm, <laughs> I'm just like smacking over glasses and I'm like, why can't I do this one thing? Right? Like I burn my bagel and I'm like, shut up, bitch. <laughs> she was like, this is just the last thing in a long string of things. Just always something. It's just always fucking something. So, and then the other chimpanzee was like of a little more, uh, a little say calm demeanor, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so they do the same surgery on both of them, and they basically, like, reverse roles. So the one who's just, like, oh, all amped up all the time, she is like, whatever, so I didn't do the task right. Big whoop. What are you going to do, fire me? <laughs> and then the other one started, like, smacking stuff over, and she was like, I don't understand why I can't do this anymore. Like, very frustrated. That is wild Mm -hmm. and that is so fascinating to think of like to know that people end up like doing this shit on humans it's like i can see where it's like well you just get the opposite person so yeah yeah. if i can exchange my scream and bitch of a wife for you know girl a quiet wife just 
you wait till we dig into that because you just hit the nail right on the head. But there's a little bit more before we can talk about people exchanging their anxious, sassy wife for a calm one (laughs) who has zero opinions. (laughs) So uh, at this conference where they're presenting their chimpanzee results, a Portuguese neurophysician, Antonio Egas Moniz, was at the conference and he raises his hand. He's like, hey, could we try this on people? Ugh. Son of a bitch. Did no one, did, did no one say, we have? We've done it before? Apparently everyone was kind of like, what a weirdo. Like, why would we do that? That's, but the scene oh, at people, the time. People at the convention at the conference. weren't about yeah. it. Okay, Mm-mm. great. No, no, no. They're like... You're a lunatic, man. Like, just, Great. all right, relax. Okay. okay. We're talking about a 50-50 result in chimpanzees. I think that's as far as this is going to go. Yeah. With this brain surgery shit. And Moniz also, is like, <laughs> that's, I'm going to do it. That is wild to say, okay, so, um, well, we tested out our hypothesis. And we tried it with chimpanzees once. And we had a real 50-50 result. And then for someone to say, next logical step, human subjects, not let's test it out with more monkeys and a control group. Like, I know nothing about science. (laughs) And I know that this is wrong. This is a huge leap. Why are these doctors making these huge leaps? Well, the scene at the time, night, like late-ish, like 1920s, like mid-1920s to mid-1930s, the... American mind, especially, was just, she broke. Mm. She brain broke. (laughs) So almost all of the mental institutions were full to the brim with patients. And almost 50% of the hospital, like regular hospitals, were full with mental patients. Well, this was like, you said 1920s and 30s. -hmm. So like right after World War I, I'm sure there's like, PTSD from that, like the depression, mass PTSD. Oh yeah, the the (laughs) freaking depression, the Dust Bowl. Like it it makes sense for people to be a little sad. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot, and it was essentially like this crisis, like this Mm. medical crisis, and I think that's what led people to take these like big jumps Mm. or like. We kind of messed up two monkeys, and they're like, great, we could mess up way more people. Mm-mm. So It's like how nowadays people are like, I'm depressed, and every two weeks TikTok has like a new way to make your life better. Like skincare, and uh, <laughs> making everything beige, and... <laughs> but like if my entire wardrobe were beige, I'd be happy. And you're like... yeah. I- try it i guess whatever it's like if influencers could perform lobotomies and pretend that like <laughs> it would cure your depression people would be like, yes can we you coin the term social media lobotomy <laughs> TM, TM, TM. <laughs> so essentially like the medical field was like yeah we'll take these bigger risks okay yeah. so moniz was the, quote, father of psychosurgery, is what this will be called. Wow. Um, Especially because they, you know, as a medical community, we're trying, like, different stuff, like electroshock therapy. Super (laughs) awesome. (laughs) Um, Insulin shock therapy. Mm, Wow. Ice baths, uh, giving uh, people, what is that? um, Sorry, this is from my memory. What's the one that you get from um, mosquito bites? Malaria? Yeah. So they would give people malaria to give them a really high fever and (gasps) then treat them so their brain would, like, burn a little bit. (gasps) Crazy. Were were we doing sensory deprivation tanks or not yet? Was that not to, like, Um, the 70s? I think there was a similar kind of treatment, but not exactly exactly how we do them, obviously. But Moniz is like, dude, hand me my drill. I got this. Mm. So he developed a surgery that consisted of drilling two holes in the patient's head and then injecting pure ethyl alcohol into the prefrontal cortex. 
What? So he's like, I just need my drill and a bottle of vodka. And you're going to feel so much better when you wake up. That just like something about that just made me feel like so ill. Yeah. Like I just got like my stomach just dropped for mm-hmm. some reason. Yeah. It might be the drilling the holes like, into the head, but. Yeah. I felt it. like Ugh. a visceral reaction when I, I was like, oh God. So he just like yeah. drilled near the head and he just like poured alcohol I'm yeah. certain it doesn't belong in there. And me, I'm going to take a wild guess and assume that anesthetics were not how they are today. No, 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 they were not. Um, that's a whole, we could have a whole conversation about that. But <laughs> the idea that the alcohol was like poured over the prefrontal cortex was so that it would disrupt the neuron tracks that were believed to give rise to like recurrent thoughts in mental patients. Okay. Mentally ill patients. Um, So at this time, the first operation was considered a success because there appeared to be a reduction in symptoms of like paranoia and anxiety. And the patient was like, I do feel better. Yeah. Interesting. So Moniz is like, yeah, buddy, let's go. So he created an instrument called the leukotome designed specifically to disrupt the tracks of the neuron fibers connecting the free prefrontal cortex and the thalamus. So an actual tool instead of pouring alcohol over your brain. Okay. In the next two years, he and his colleague Lima uh, would perform on 40 patients. The idea was to lower violent, manic, and psychological behavior. The term psychological behavior weirds me out because I'm like, that's behavior though, right? It's <laughs> that's why we it's do not it. not all behavior psychological. <laughs> yeah. I was like, unless you like hit my knee with something real aggressively and then I can <laughs> like Reflexive. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Then sure. So you said, what'd you say? People getting angry, manic, that's what they're treating? Yep. Violent, manic, um, but it could be also like paranoid, depressed, yeah. all of this. So again, <laughs> you know what I'm going to say, you know, mixed results. Because <laughs> the problem is you had the sad monkeys and the sad monkeys turned into the manic monkeys. And then the manic <laughs> monkeys just came, became the sad monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> they just couldn't get to the next level monkey. Uh, it just couldn't so. be neutral. Yeah, well, and that was that was it. So some of the patients, again, became more docile because you sliced a piece of their brain out. So they're just like, oh, let's watch Finding Nemo again. <laughs> <laughs> and then two others got worse. And then, you know, yeah. some others got no change. Yeah. Um, so Moniz spoke at a conference in London again. Uh, describing this procedure. And at the conference, the man of the hour, Dr. Walter J. Freeman, mm-hmm. a neurologist. And he was like, oh my God, is that Moniz? The guy who drilled the holes? Oh my God, <laughs> how do I look? Is my hair okay? And he like does one sniff for one armpit and then another like for the... He's like, I'm going to talk to him. I'm going to talk to him. Okay. All right. Shoulders back. Chin up. Okay. I'm going to talk to him. So I'm like fangirled all the way out. He like brings somebody. He's like, could you sign my my patient? <laughs> Just right on her forehead is fine. So, so he approached Moniz and pursued him to be his mentor. Mm-hmm. And Moniz is like, you want to mm-hmm. kind of do the same thing? And he's like, I really, really do. <clears throat> so Freeman was described as uh, relentless, ambitious, and he really wanted to make a name for himself in the medical community. Sure. Um, because his grandfather was a famed surgeon. He was actually the first to remove a brain tumor successfully. Wow. Now that's the kind of brain surgery we can get behind. Yeah. You got a little tumor in there, buddy. Let's just get it out. Yeah. No problem. Just take out the tumor, and then I'm also going to scrape out this little bit that makes yeah. you anxious. <laughs> <laughs> this little bit that sends you into fight or flight when you're not <laughs> when you're trying to order a coffee. 
don't worry, that last bit's on me. So so he really wanted to make a name for himself. Um, his father was also a renowned laryngologist, mm. which I think is throat, I'm throat assuming. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So in the pursuit of fame and notoriety, uh, Freeman studied mm. and studied and uh, with Moniz as his mentor, uh, concluded with 100% certainty. Great. That mental illness resided in the wires or the fibers of the prefrontal cortex. <laughs> you cut these wires, you're healed. All good. <sighs> Bye-bye, <It's>, sadness. Uh... <sighs> Just as someone who's like, you know, has struggled with like mental, like so many mental mm-hmm. health things for so long. And it's like, I would love it if that, an- if the answer was that easy. That'd okay. be awesome. <laughs> like- Girl. Sign me the fuck up. I'm yeah. like, oh, I just don't get sad or anxious and yeah, like go into fight or flight mode when I, yeah, yeah. when I'm like, what do you mean you don't have almond milk? Do I run? And like, <laughs> <laughs> I can, what other kind of milk do I like? <laughs> just full panic. Oh and my so, God. Um, I hope I that actually, didn't come off as glib because that is probably like a scenario where if I'm having a bad day, that yeah. could trigger like an anxiety attack. Well, like, goddamn. And so I was talking to my therapist about this because I love to n- use analogies in therapy. And I was like, it's like I'm in this giant dryer and I'm tumbling around and I'm trying to find like which direction to go. Like, how do I get this thing to stop? And my boyfriend's on the other side of the glass like, it's going to be okay. (laughs) And I'm like, just turn it off. Just turn the dryer off. (laughs) So yeah, if if this like little surgery where you would just kind of do do. Cut, yeah. cut the wire and I didn't feel like that anymore that'd be great it's like if so, my brain was a bomb and you just had to snip the yellow wire instead of the blue one yeah all good sounds Sign great <laughs> I'm totally down but well, it's not <laughs> but it's not so he was so certain he was like I know for sure this will cure people so In 1936, the first prefrontal lobotomy was performed at George Washington University Hospital. Mm -hmm. But Freeman did not perform that surgery because he's not a surgeon. He's just a neurologist. Okay. Neurosurgeon being like different. Yeah. Exactly. So not to say that flippantly. It's not like he's, you know, like scrubbing toilets or anything. Also a very respectable job. Yeah. But... But it's like, I don't want, like, you know, my chiropractor, like, curing my cancer, you know? Yep. Yep. That's exactly right. So he didn't perform the surgery. So he was, I believe, actually, I didn't say who did, but he was forced to partner with his colleague, neurosurgeon James Watts. Sure. So this together becomes the Freeman Watts duo. Okay. Uh, they together performed uh, their first surgery as a team on Alice Hood Hamat. Uh, she was suffering from insomnia and what would now be described as mixed bipolar. So, success. Oh, great. Yes. So, Freeman, the neurologist, basically guided Watts's surgical hand. Cut here. Do, 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 do. Mm-hmm. Um, Alice, after recovering... Um, her husband said that she was the happiest she'd ever been for the remainder of her life, which was five years. <gasps> How old was she when she got the surgery? Do we know? I believe she was in her mid-50s. Oh, okay. And this is the... I eight- remember correctly. No, 19, like what, 40s at this point? You think? E- uh, 36. Well, so okay. yeah, it would be 1941 when she died. So it's like hard to kind of decide if... That's typical life expectancy or if exactly. the lobotomy had something like, to do with it. Yeah. And like at that time, um, I was watching this one YouTube video. They're like, records were, let's say, like sketchy because mm. like not everything was completely accounted for. Like, yeah. So she could have died of natural causes or this could have been just. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so. 
Freeman and Watts refined uh, Moniz's like drill technique uh, and called it the Freeman Watts standard lobotomy or the precision technique. Okay. And this laid out the exact protocol for how uh, a leucotome, the tool, or in this case, a spatula, was to be inserted Wait. and manipulated during surgery. Uh, go back to it being a spatula. <laughs> now, I knew you were going to catch that. I am picturing a kitchen spatula. I'm assuming <laughs> and hoping to God that I'm incorrect. <laughs> you, yes, you are correct in being incorrect. It was like a little surgical spatula so a surgical um, is that like you ever see like those paint mixing videos is that what they're yeah. using <laughs> i'm assuming it's like something that you see at the dentist like all okay. those tiny little metal tools i'm like probably one of those right i gotta look it up oh wow a little yeah. surgical spatula yeah okay okay wow all right <laughs> cool so okay cool uh by 1942 they had performed over 200 lobotomies. Ready for some stats? Wow. Yeah. All right. 63% improved, 24% no change, 14% worse. And mm. here's the other thing. I am 89% positive that 98% of these people were not willingly getting a lobotomy. Well, we're definitely going to get into that. Okay. So, so like... The fact that you're, like, going under the knife and there's, a like, a 60% chance that this is actually going to help you yeah. is, like, that's insane. That's insane. That's bad like, odds. It, 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 right? I'm thinking, like, if somebody came to me or you and they're like, hey, we want you to undergo brain surgery, mm-hmm. it'll make your life so, so, so much better, um, but there is a... 40% chance that it will not get better and you will actually get worse. I'd be like, oh, are you yeah. high? No. Yeah. yeah. You're going to be kidding me. Absolutely not. 60% not good odds. And you also get all the fun, you know, uh, risks associated with going into surgery, you know, Just point blank in general. Period. Yep, exactly. Well, Freeman was becoming restless because his psychosurgery wasn't like taking off like (laughs) interesting he was like why isn't this more popular why am i not more popular and i love when doctors are narcissists Mm Hmm. really and so he wanted to do more surgeries but they were surgery they required operating rooms anesthesia tools yeah prep money prep time other people other people nurses that kind of thing um but most of the patients that were eligible were in mental institutions where there Mm. is no operating room because Mm. it's a mental institution Mm -hmm. (laughs) do they still have those like theaters those operating room oh my god (laughs) i would in like a morbid way would love to see an (laughs) operating room theater i wonder if any like have been preserved for history oh my god we gotta find out (laughs) i want to do like an experimental like long form like theater (laughs) an experimental theater piece and an operating theater that would be so cool i would go to that i would buy tickets um, just to go in there and i'd be like someone's gonna dance a devised work (laughs) (laughs) well freeman you know Trying, trying to figure out a sweet little workaround, um, <laughs> found Italian psychologist uh, Dr. Fiaberte, and he demonstrated his own technique where he put a metal tube in through the eye socket <clears throat> and poured ethanol in. Oh, my God. Yeah. Sorry. It really... Yeah. Gross and grotesque, and a story to everybody, including Hannah. I hate eye things. <laughs> yeah. And so, trigger alert, it's it's going to get... Well, anyway. <laughs> uh, uh, yes. Freeman was like, oh my god, the eye. That's genius. <laughs> oh my god, you're brilliant, bestie. That is so... Oh my god. 
You know, if I just go into somebody's eye, that's not surgery. I don't need to. Oh. Oh. Oh, shit. Uh-huh. I don't need an operating room. I don't need X, Y, and Z. The A different degree that I don't mm-hmm. have. Yep, exactly. I don't need that license, whatever, whatever. So, in 1945, Freeman is experimenting on cadavers in his home, just chilling, cash, cash Sunday. Honestly, um, would rather he do that than any other experimenting. Totally, totally. I was like, <laughs> honestly, that's not for... It's 1945. It's not that bad. Hey, track record considered, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Do your thing, man. Everybody's got hobbies. You paid for that cadaver. Great. Uh, But uh, he was like, you know, dinking around with this cadaver. And he's like, I just need something to jam in the eye. Mm -hmm. And he literally went to a kitchen drawer Mm -hmm. and got an ice pick. Mm -mm -mm. And this was how the transorbital lobotomy was completed. Mm-hmm. You take the ice pick, you slide it under the eyelid, mm-hmm. you tap, tap, tap with a little mallet, you know, like a mountain climber, mm-hmm. and then you're through the bone, mm-hmm. and then tap, tap, swipe, tap, swipe. This These, is, this is the exact procedure. I'm having so much fun recording this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so now that everybody's trained in lobotomies, (laughs) don't do it. Don't do it. Just skip it. Just find any other hobby. So then you would just repeat the tap, tap, swipe, tap, swipe on the next eye. You got to do it to both. Yeah. You got to do it to both. And there's an exact, like, it, it shows like a map of where they're trying to hit in the brain Assuming, I guess, that all brains are the same, kind of like carbon copies of each other, which I don't know if that's accurate. Yeah. Like, somebody's got to have a different fold somewhere in there, (laughs) right? Like, it's not... What if someone's really smart and they have a lot of wrinkles? (laughs) (laughs) Mine's very, very smooth. Don't you worry. (laughs) Smooth-brained Lundy. Smooth brain. (laughs) So, in 1946, the first transorbital lobotomy in D.C. was performed on a patient, Sally Ellen Ionesco. Mm-hmm. Success. Okay. <gasps> yeah. They always get the first one right. They get the fucking first one. And everyone's <laughs> like, yay, heroes, let's throw a parade. And they're well, like, we, we can just ignore anything else that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're like, this one time it worked, so why wouldn't it work every other time? Mm -hmm. So she lived the rest of her long life in blissful peace when previously to the surgery, she was violently suicidal. Even her daughter was like, every day was a battle with my mom. Like, she just was so viciously depressed. And she's like, got surgery. And she was chill. She was happy. She was like a normal, like not, you know, normal, but like a mom. She was like, she was loving. She was supportive. She, you know, would like care for us. And she died like of old age. So her daughter was like, whatever that surgery did. Mm -hmm. Like, thank God for it. Thank God for it. Like we were able to have my mom. And I was like, (sighs) (sighs) I know, I know. So, don't you worry. This has got ups and downs all over the place. Yeah, truly. Wow. In 1947, Freeman and Watts break up. (gasps) No. The band broke up because Watts is like, bro, this is not chill. Like, oh, wow. We can't be ice picking people's eyes and brains in the office. It's not cool. It's not chill at all. He just, like, didn't like the setting? He didn't like the ice pick. He didn't sure. like the, you know, that the procedure was kind of becoming, like, more and more liberally Yeah, done. like, convenient. Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't like that, like, uh, Freeman was kind of just showboaty about it. And he was like, I can mm. perform one in ten minutes. And he's like, that's not 
what we're trying to do here. You shouldn't, though. Yeah. And he's like, and you shouldn't do it in the office. That's, I don't like that, personally. And he's I'm like, trying to eat my salad. He's like, can I have one normal lunch day, please? I just, I don't need people screaming. But uh, Freeman was like, oh, cool. I won't do it in the office anymore, but I will do all of these surgeries unsupervised without a license in people's homes. Or my home. Whatever. You pick. Oh my god. I need a nap. (laughs) Seriously. Um, But he would perform these in like hotel rooms and yeah, yeah, wherever. I'm picturing him as like as like, you know, in like Sweeney Todd when they have like Mm -hmm. the the shaving competition. (laughs) And they're like (laughs) Pirelli's Miracle Elixir. And they're like, come like watch me do this thing. It feels like that. Oh, you, oh my gosh, you're so smart. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that for sure. That sucks. (laughs) So Moniz and Freeman also differed on how this psychosurgery should be essentially like employed. Uh, Moniz was like, this is a last resort. Interesting. Yeah. We, you need to try every other option before you get psychosurgery. And Freeman was like, every man, woman, and child needs a lobotomy. Come on down. It's like, is your son not good at baseball? Come give him a lobotomy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So Freeman toured the country performing. And not performing as in like you perform surgery, as in like performing. Yeah, like putting on a little show. Putting on a little show for audiences in these little theaters. So he started dressing more lavishly. He started wearing a wide-brimmed hat, carrying a cane he didn't need. Of course. It grew out this, you know, very villain-esque uh, goatee. And, you know, just having like a little general flair. Purple cape. For real. <laughs> so he would do these lobotomies in front of crowds. And he would even treat patients that like didn't need treatment at all. How? Like, maybe they were just having a bad day, and he was like, don't worry. Come sit here. And people were, I'm assuming, like, volunteering? Like, they wanted to, like, be... I'm sure they kind of were like, ooh, I want to be part of the show. Well, and that was just it. The press was all Mm. about this guy. Loved him. Toted him as, like, a hero. um, Like, groundbreaking genius. He's, like, single-handedly solving, like, the mental health crisis. All that stuff. So people were like... I'll go then. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, he's got glowing reviews. Why wouldn't I do this? (laughs) Five stars on Yelp. So, he was, like I said, definitely a show pony. He performed a double-handed lobotomy in front of a crowd one time. Seems wildly unnecessary. (laughs) Which, um, he, but he was described generally, like, as flashy, impressive, and disturbing. (laughs) (laughs) that's incredible like the wherewithal to be like he's a genius he's a hero this is amazing but also we do admit it's a little fucked up (laughs) (laughs) there's something that makes my tummy turn (laughs) it just it makes you kind of tilt your head a little and be like yeah should should we but should we yeah. <laughs> I think we say that a lot on this show, too. It's like, but should we? <laughs> Most of the That's time, the, the answer is no. <laughs> right? Yeah, right? <laughs> you can. Disastrous. But should we? Yeah. So um, this leads us up to the Iowa incident of 1951, when Freeman stopped to pose for a picture mid-surgery. I was I about know. to take a sip of my water and I, had I know. Oh, just put it down and disgust. Reaction. That happened. That definitely happened. And uh like pick sh- in someone's eyeball. Pick in someone's eyes. He was just like, you know, like when you're at a restaurant and someone's like, "Hey, take a picture and you just hold up your fork and knife." You're like, "Hey." <laughs> <laughs> um and it was like back when uh cameras took a minute, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly mm-hmm. right. He was like, oh, yeah, is how do I look? And 
he poked his tool in too far and the patient died instantly. Wow. Can you imagine like, being there for that one? Did you get the picture though? <laughs> he's like he's like, how did I look? Did you get my okay. No, my goatee okay, good. Oh fuck. <laughs> hey man. Are you dead? Oh God. <laughs> Move your hand if you're not dead. Oh my yeah, god. So again, the press loved this guy, so everyone was like, Yeah, shit happens. Whatever. Chisel my brain, chisel my brain. What? That didn't, like, immediately end things? Nope. And I would have thought the press could have, like, sold more by going off of, like, famed ice pick man kills someone. I don't understand how, like, none of these things, all of this weird shit. And I'm like, why isn't anybody writing about this? They're like, it's a revolutionary. I'm like, is he? I mean, we're still talking about it, so. Yeah, that's true. But uh, common side effects of the surgery that were not death, um, were loss of basic skills like eating and using the potty. Wow. Um, reverting to childlike state, vegetative state, or unable to use your limbs. Mm. Also note, 40% of patients were gay. Wow. I wonder why they got lobotomies. Mm-hmm. Hmm. There was this, you know, oh, you feeling a little gay, buddy? Don't worry, we'll fix it. Like you'll just fuck? be a vegetable. Then you yeah. you can have all the gay thoughts you want. You can't <laughs> act on them though. Can't act on them. Nah. Um, which it's like super messed up. But like, there was one story that just like off the top of my head, I'm remembering that this woman like didn't want to have sex with her husband, and she had like all of these thoughts about like women. Yeah. And to me and you were like, she's she's gay. Yeah. And uh, he was like, you should really get this, this surgery. Yeah. And she was like, I don't know. Like, uh. and so he's like, no, seriously, you should get it because I think you might be gay. And she, she got the surgery and then like completely healed up and then like left him anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and then started living with best friend and roommate. <laughs> She's like, this is my roommate for the last 30 years, Bethany. <laughs> and Yeah, we're going to be buried next to each other, me and my bestie. <laughs> In our matching PJs, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so that was one thing. He also performed on 19 underage patients. Wow. What was underage then? Uh, any anybody under eighteen? Um, okay. One was twelve. One was four. <gasps> Are you kidding? I know. So when you said like, "Oh, is your kid not good at baseball?" I was like, "Yeah." Oh that, my uh, god. That shit god. happened for sure. That's like it, like with the dogs, where it's like, my dog is a little piece of shit, but that's because we didn't raise him right, you know? Right. It's like, if your kid is four years old, well, yes, sometimes there are some mental things going on that yeah. also happens, but it could mm-hmm. be that you're just not good at being a parent. And take some goddamn accountability. Like, you're, are you a shitty parent? Maybe you need a lobotomy. Maybe you'll get better. Assholes. So... <sighs> And another statistic, mostly, I'll say the number that I saw a lot of was 70% of the patients overall were female. Yeah, that sounds Do you have right. a sassy wife? Make her unsassy with the lobotomy. Oh, God. Does your woman not want to suck your dick? <laughs> Lobotomize her. <laughs> then she won't be able to tell you she doesn't want to. <laughs> so, the most famed case... Um, which I think a lot of people know um, is the case of Rosemary Kennedy. Uh, younger sister to JFK, she was deprived of oxygen uh, oh. while she was being born. Okay. Uh, leaving her with developmental and emotional difficulties. Sure. Um, at the age of 23, and she, like, you see pictures of her, she, like, looks, like, completely able-bodied. She is, she's got, like, this beautiful smile um but the, at the age of 23 her dad takes her to dr freeman and she never walks or talks again <gasps> i know oh my god isn't that awful that must be so like 
I I mean, I'm sure it's easy for us to be like, just don't do it. But it's like, well, if everyone's doing it and all you're hearing about it being safe. But like, mm-hmm. imagine like you have a kid who's like, like there are some challenges with raising yeah. them, but they can like move and they can like smile at you. Mm-hmm. And then like you do this thing that like er- everyone's doing it. Yeah. I'm Ugh. like, I can't imagine how like devastating that would be to a family especially because they're like she like the tears that were cried where they're like she wasn't that bad I, like that like must be the thought right it's gotta like, be every time this goes wrong yeah it's like yeah she would like you know if she spilt something or if like we talked too loudly she would freak out a little bit like yeah that's not that bad yeah so that really backfired um and, like, she was basically, like, se- sequestered? Sequestered? By her family for the next, like, 60 years. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, to wrap this whole thing up, uh, <laughs> by 1949, uh, 684 lobotomies are performed in the U.S. But in 1950, the Soviet Union bans the procedure. The Soviet Union. Based and on then, moral grounds. We said, well, <laughs> oops. Oh, boy. Okay. So, and then around the same time, like, drug therapy gets introduced. Um, lobotomies kind of take a back seat. Uh, but Freeman's still kind of persisting. And even though hospitals are like, keep it moving, dude. We don't, <laughs> we don't do that anymore. <laughs> Not since the last time. And this is just one quick aside. In 1953, um, 27-year-old Henry Mollison uh, went to a different doctor uh, to perform this popular surgery. Um, The doctor's name was Dr. Scoville. um, And Henry Mollison was uh, dealing with seizures Mm. uh, frequently enough that it was, like, really impeding his, like, daily life. So immediately after surgery, it was discovered that he can't, couldn't make any new memories. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it was about seven seconds, to be exact. Oh, my God. That case basically led uh, the medical community into, like, researching more about, like, the hippocampus, where memory yeah. resides, where short-term and long-term reside, and all of those things. But he, from what I saw, he's... I think he's still alive, but, like, can't remember anything more than a couple seconds. Like, can't retain any new information. That's insane. Is that wild? I'm like, just don't poke around in there. Dear Lord. So, in 1967, Freeman performs the last recorded lobotomy in the world. And it was his third on one patient, a longtime patient, Helen Mortensen. Hey, hey, bud. Hey, bud. If you're doing your surgery for the third time, reconsider if you should be doing your surgery. I literally thought about that. I was like, so what was he thinking the second time? He was like, well, the first time didn't work, but this one's certainly going to. Yeah. And then that one didn't work. And so um, I think she was dealing from like uh, like anxiety and depression. But, you know, who's not? Um, And she died of a cerebral hemorrhage. And he was banned from performing any more surgeries. Good. Good late choice. <laughs> yeah, good late choice. Like 50 years later. No. 30 well, years like, later. Yeah. But yeah. Um, he retired in 1968. I'm like, how this dude was just able to like, he had a job at a hospital. And then was just like, all right, I'm going to retire now. That was fun. Like, what yeah. the Every, oh God, have you, did you ever listen to Dr. Death? Yes. Like, that was the most wild shit I'd ever heard in my life. And it's just like so much like, oh no, like, oh oh, no. Oh, I trust these people so absolutely. (laughs) Oh yeah. And like with Dr. Death too, he was just like botching one back surgery after another, after another, and just getting kicked down the line of hospitals. Yeah. Like- Oh, my Lord. Well, he retires and he goes on a cross-country road trip to do follow-ups for his lobotomized Uh, patients. 
I don't think performing anything. Just being like, hey, how you feeling? How you doing? You good? Okay. <laughs> like half I of see? them are like, no. <laughs> no, I'm not good. I haven't been able to feel my left toes <laughs> in a while. Um, this kind of but- reminds me of, sorry. Um, no. You know, like, I don't know how much you know about like, like the carnivore diet, but it's like that thing where you only eat like raw meat, right? Ugh. And it's like there were certain oh no no no. Was it that? Yeah, yeah. Well, there are a few different like diets where it's like someone who had all these issues did something like the carnivore diet where they only eat raw meat and then like mm-hmm. their issues go away. And right. then people are gonna say, like, well, the carnivore diet is the solution to this. And it's like no, it's not. It just, for it's some not. weird reason, worked for this one person, yeah. you know? And it feels like with, like, the lobotomies, it's like, it it it's the, it feels like the same thing, where it's like... It worked for this, three people. Yeah. <laughs> like, and there were, like, so many more. They were yeah. saying, like, the numbers are kind of shaky, but they were saying that he, um, that Dr. Freeman performed anywhere from like 3500 to 5000 just by himself. Holy fuck. Yeah. So it's like it worked for three people and pretty much nobody else. So like let's not recommend this as a treatment. Yeah. That's wild. So in 1972, uh Freeman dies of cancer at the age of 76. Mm. And that is the end of lobotomies. Wow. That was a long one. Wowza. Oh, yeah. Wow. We had a few aside. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, sorry about that, everybody. Um, yeah, that's a, was a, a wild ride, man. But Well, thank you for oh, um, telling me that terrible, terrible story. <laughs> for being the source of your nightmares? Yeah. No problem. I texted Amanda before we started recording and said, oh, I'm just eating a snack. And she should have said, don't. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to tell you the grossest thing ever. <laughs> yeah, that I, you're right. I should have, <laughs> should have done that. Done it's that not small like, favor for you. It's not like gross. Like it like makes, but like it's like chilling. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's gruesome as hell. And just the fact that like. Like doctors in general, they were so desperate. Like a lot of them were like, we don't, we took like this Hippocratic Oath thing. Like we don't do that to people. And like, there's a a small group that's like, we do, we'll do it. No problem. Oh goodness. Yeah. So, uh, that was lobotomies. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And, uh, you know, you're always such a good sport, but, uh, (laughs) do you want to tell everybody where to, uh, find us and write review? Yes. Um, we are on Instagram at disastrous pod. You can go ahead and email us at disastrous pod at gmail.com. Um, is TikTok disastrously? It yes. is, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, on TikTok, we are disastrously pod. Don't forget that L-Y. Um, and yeah, please rate, review, and subscribe. Um, give us some love. Uh, mm-hmm. Let us know why you need a little pod. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to know. <laughs> That's terrible of me. <laughs> All right. If you were going to lo- lobotomize any of your pets, which one would it be? No, I'm Did, do you remember that Glee episode? <laughs> Where they like the episode. Where they like not not the lobotomy episode, but where they like <laughs> wore shirts with like the things people make fun of them for on them. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah, and it's yeah, like yeah. Emma has one that's like ginger, and that's... Will was like, "No, you were supposed to say OCD." <laughs> <laughs> it's like what would you, what would your shirt say? I should be lobotomized because. <laughs> I like girls and guys. <laughs> <laughs> Drill a hole in my head. I'm by. <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, we're going to have this merch made up for you guys real quick. <laughs> and, um, well, this has been disastrous. I'm Amanda. And I'm Hannah. 
And uh, we love you and respect you. And uh, we'll catch you on the flippy floppy. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.